As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation post-game edition here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed. And guys, I think there was a there was a, allegedly a football game on Sunday. I don't know how much uh, people want to hear us talk about it. Uh, it was bad. They lose 43-6 to to the Atlanta Falcons. About as bad a game as you could possibly imagine. Um, what what could go wrong did. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> Anybody have any good words to kind of put this one in perspective? Yeah, Todd Gurley and Julio Jones didn't play, and the Falcons still scored 43 points. You said good words. <laughs> They said good words to put it into perspective. It's ah, a good okay. word to All put right, into fine. perspective how bad the loss was. I mean, it's weird because, I mean, we kept asking the players all week and Coach Scruton about last year's game against the Jets, if they were worried about the same kind of deal happening. And they said, no, this team is angry. We're upset about the Chiefs game. We're not this. We're better. And it was worse. It was worse than last year. Worse score. Very similar game, actually. Last year's game also was kind of not totally a blowout at halftime. They had a chance to come back and the things got out of hand. The second half, but obviously, Derek Carr has uh, four turnovers. You really can't win. Yeah, this was by far the Raiders' worst offensive line performance of the season. They've been so consistent, even with injuries, but today was bad. And um, I, I might have to take back all my apologies to Brandon Parker because he had a terrible game cool. today. Um, like that first interception that Carr threw. He was trying to just check the ball down to Booker. He got hit on that play. Jackson and Parker got beat pretty bad on his uh, the first fumble. Waller messed up his pass assignment, let a guy right into Carr's lap, and he fumbled the ball. Second fumble, Parker got beat. Third fumble, Jackson and Parker got beat, and then Miller got kind of uh, bull rushed, and Carr tried to throw the ball. It was pretty bad, and I don't know if Carr's fumbling problem is ever going to be fixed, just because it's something that's been so prevalent in his career. The best the Rangers could do is just try to protect him the best he can. But when he gets hit, there's just a there's a high chance that ball is going to come out, and it, it happened today. Guess if you're trying to go like 
glass half full with it. Coming into this game, they only had 10 turnovers for the season and they had five in one game. You know, I don't know if that's like, that's probably an anomaly. Like that's probably not going to happen again. You know, why that may be kind of a flash in the pan thing. I don't think them, they've been playing sloppy like the last three games, you know, I just, I just looked at it and in the last three games, they committed 27 penalties for 295 yards. And in the first eight games of the season, all their penalties added up to 287 yards. So they're not only like committing penalties more frequently, but they're committing like those big chunk 15 yard penalties too. There was a big issue against the Chiefs. And then, I mean, in this game, it probably wouldn't matter either way because of the turnovers. But I think the last three games, they got a little bit sloppy. And I'm not sure exactly what the source of that is. Um, Gruden, every time we ask him, he doesn't seem like he thinks it'll persist. But I mean, it's three games in a row now. I mean, and you look at them, there's the the roughing the kicker penalty, which I don't know, kind of seemed a little bit questionable to me, but that turned a missed field goal into a touchdown. So, I mean, that's that's a huge swing right there. They missed the field goal. It would have still been a six to three game instead, 13-3. And then you look at the, uh, I think, the face mask penalty that took away the Kwiatkowski interception. When you turn a, a... a defensive stop into a touchdown and you take away a turnover. I mean, those are just two examples that I'm picking out of, of all the, uh, the penalties they committed. I mean, you can win games sometimes when you have a lot of penalties, if they just don't come at those really bad times, but those were the, those were really bad times for those penalties. Yeah. I smoke the defense. I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job early on. I mean, as for as badly as the Raiders were playing offensively, all the mistakes they made on penalties, they kept it close. I mean, there was, you know, was it uh, 13, it was a 6-3 for uh, most of the second quarter, and uh, I think they scored at the end of the half. Maybe it's what, 16-3 at halftime, but uh, it should have been a lot worse. So the defense, I thought, played pretty well, I mean, for them especially. But um, like you said, you keep making mistakes penalty-wise and on turnovers, and at some point you're going to crumble, and that's what they did in the second half. A couple of the, the roughing penalties were, were bad, too. I mean, they, they weren't like those ticky-tack roughing penalties that we get angry over. They were... Penalties that were avoidable. I mean, the defensive lineman that hit Ryan had two steps on, on both times, and they ended up pushing him to the ground pretty hard, and you just can't do that. So just very undisciplined penalties. They were angry. Remember, they were angry. That's why they showed they were angry from the game. Yeah, I don't think the defense, uh, I wouldn't expect them to play. Like the score side, like obviously that was influenced by the turnovers, but how they actually played. I mean, without Cleveland Farrell and Lamarcus Joyner because they're still on the COVID-19 list, and then – uh, Damon Arnett had a, a scary head injury in the first quarter, and, and he was rolled out for the rest of the game. You know, Corey Littleton is his first game back off the COVID list after being out for a couple of games. So I don't think any of us expected the defense to play particularly well, even with you know those guys out for the Falcons. But especially considering the turnovers, I, I don't know how you can put much blame on them today. You know, Jonathan Abram had that pick off the uh, deflection that looked like, hey, man, that's going to give him some life. Maybe him doing the dirty bird in Atlanta was uh, was was not the best uh, idea. Maybe that uh, is what turned everything sideways for him. I don't know. I'm just kidding, obviously. Yeah, you can't hit the, the dirty bird and lose forty three to six. That's uh, it's not a good look. That's a premature bird. Bird was too early. Got to wait a while. <laughs> let, let that bird marinate a little bit. Uh, I mean, you look at the way this game started offensively. Fourth down, they go for it on their side of the ball, which I mean, I think. Pretty surprising that to see that John Gruden do that, even though you know you might like the aggressiveness and and the play call. They they try to to go outside with Jacobs and he can't get around the edge, can't find room, loses yards, and you know it, it wasn't like it cost them. Like it you know it didn't turn into this big. I mean they could have recovered from that, but it just seemed like from there right away it just set a tone. This was not their day offensively. 
I agree. It was a, it was a high risk, low reward thing. Because if you make it, you still got you're still on your end of the field. But if you don't make it, all of a sudden the Falcons have a huge lift. And again, the play call I thought was terrible. And again, I mean, it was a pitch to Josh Jacobs. And some people say he stopped and kind of wanted to cut back. We should have kept going straight. But that's a lot of ground to cover on fourth and one. Well, I think if you want to run straight ahead, maybe a quarterback sneak, Car Shorty can do that. I think that's just a way too way too clever way of, of losing yards on, on fourth and one. We saw one quarterback sneak from Carr so far this season. I think that was definitely a situation where if you are going to go for it, you either sneak it or you go right up the middle. I don't. I don't really think the Falcons' defense was that condensed in the box, so that that was a really uh, strange play call. I mean, but the the bigger issue is this offensive line just got manhandled throughout the game. Even in the run game, they couldn't get anything going. When they finally got a good run, Jacobs fumbled the ball. It's just surprising to see them get manhandled by a Falcons front that just hasn't been that good this season. So, you know, I, I don't think we'll see a performance like this from the offensive line again. Just strange to see them so poorly in all phases of the game. The fourth down play kind of exacerbated when, you know, okay, the Falcons, they get a field goal off it. That's, that's not the worst thing. And then the first play of the next drive, a fumble, turns into another field goal. Again, you only end up down... 6 nothing after those two big plays. Those can still be recovered from what really hurt, I think, was obviously what we talked about. The roughing the kicker that led to the touchdown makes it 13-3. I kind of, at that point, we've seen the Raiders you know, really do well at the end of halves. You're thinking, all right, if they can go on a little bit of a drive, at least get a field goal, but especially if they can get a touchdown, make it a 13-10 game going into the half, it, it, it could change the feel of this game with them getting the ball to start the third quarter. And then of course ends up being another fumble that leads to the Atlanta getting another t- field goal before the end of the half. And and by then, you know, they still went into the second half having a chance, but uh, I mean, Trayvon Mullen drops that interception in the end zone that he looked like he probably had an angle. that if he picks that off, turns into a pick six, uh, just so many just little errors added up. Yeah, I think the surprising thing was, you know, traditionally this season they, they've owned third quarters. So I think they were, it probably changed now, but a couple weeks ago they were like first in the league in point differential in the third quarter. And, and today they got outscored 14 to three, which obviously that's when the game was officially over with. You know, they still had a chance getting the ball first to start the second half to make it interesting, but really just never woke up today. Yeah, I took a quick glance at the, uh, the Falcons. Um quotes and I guess they were proud of themselves for confusing the coverage. I guess they played Waller, mostly man on man they said so they thought that was key and they offered the key on Jacobs but um, again when you get those turnovers that's just it's huge for a team that's looking for some momentum and that's what they got and they kind of they took over the game with it but um, back to Carr I just think you know the, the fumbles I know Ted mentioned it's going to happen but I think it's now 31 since he came into the league which is the highest in the league uh, since 2014 so I mean, he's mentioned that they work at it on practice, but I mean, I guess for some reason, you know, when he gets hit in the pocket, the ball just comes loose. I'm not sure how he can fix it if that's something that's just kind of prone to his his skill set. It's a weird thing, too, because like Carr has this reputation of getting the ball, getting rid of the ball too quickly and, and not holding on to it to take shots. Like when a guy, you know, takes a lot of sacks in the pocket and fumbles the ball, it's typically because they're trying to make something happen and running with their legs or trying to load up for deep, way on a deep pass downfield. And so it's kind of interesting that a guy that plays like Carr would have so many. I mean, he has 11 fumbles this year, and his, his career high for a season was 12. So it looks like he's probably going to pass that this season. So, yeah, it's just a weird kind of – I don't know what the solution is, especially on – I mean, in, you know, certain ones like 
like he got blindsided on that Brendan Parker one. I don't know what, really what he can do as a quarterback there. You know, you, you have to think it's something about what he does for it to happen as often as it does. I don't know if it's just like the way he holds the ball. Like he he's not able to kind of brace himself when he gets hit. Maybe he just doesn't react quick enough when he does feel like he's going to get hit and protect the ball. It, it just feels like the ball's so loose, you know, when he when he holds it. Like every time somebody swipes at it, I think it's going to go, it's going to get fumbled. So I, I just don't think it's something that can get fixed. I mean, it just, I feel like it's such a little instinctual thing to be able to just protect the ball at the very last uh, second right when you get hit uh you know I, I just feel like that's such an innate thing you know the, the Raiders offensive line has been pretty good so I think if, if there's some silver lining I, I just don't think you'll ever see this Raiders line play like that again this season but I don't know hopefully they don't make me eat my words but uh, I don't think they'll play this bad again this season yeah I mean you saw and I think it was the second fumble the one right there late in the second quarter where uh Parker got beat and you know he's just standing there and as you're watching it on TV we all can see the guy coming after him and i think you know for about two or three seconds before it actually happened you could just see that play happening right you could just see that this is probably going to be a strip sack fumble and sure enough it was and and you know Carr said after the game yeah he just you know he never saw that guy coming he just doesn't quite have that innate feel to, to just feel that pressure coming from the other side the situation is different than last season i think the team is healthier than it was last season. There's a chance they might get Trent Brown back. But then they're going to have to prove that they can wake up and get over a, a big, devastating morale loss like this and beat a Jets team that, is, that just isn't very good. I mean, you got Adam Gase, you know, pretending like he didn't take back the play calling, or maybe he did. And Frank Gore is getting a majority of the carries over there. And just it's just an overall mess. So if the Raiders lose against the Jets, it's going to be pretty bad. But they're going to have to rebound. Not possible. We can't. It's not possible. We can't lose to the Jets. We already jinxed them once. Vic. Like we all picked against. We all picked the Raiders to win this week, and they they get blown yeah, out. Yeah, I thought so, about though. I was on the air thinking about picking the Falcons. I thought about. Yeah, you don't it. get credit for that. The Falcons had shown some signs of life under Raheem Morris. The the Jets have not shown any signs of life. I was going to say Raheem Morris also going against his mentor. Definitely, I thought he definitely knew what was coming. A couple of those plays, it was that third down screen to Waller. I think it was third nine early on. It was a big play. They were all over that one. So, obviously, the mentor had uh, some good notes on his uh, his teacher. Or the, the student, sorry. The student had good notes on his teacher. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You know, one thing I wanted to see, get your guys' opinion on is so after the game, obviously Derek Carr said. Throughout the week, you could just tell that there, it was not a good week of practice. The things were off. They were a little bit flat. And then as every other guy came up to the Zoom camera, uh, was asked the same, if they felt the same way. And most of them, they, they all kind of said, no, not really. They didn't notice it. Carr said that there had been other guys that he had talked to on the team that had been, had been talking about it. And and I mean, obviously, it's not like we get 53 guys out there on the on the Zoom calls after the game to, to pull the locker room and see who all felt that this week was off. But I mean, did that concern you at all that that Carr thought that things were off, but you know, the rest of the guys, I think four other guys that, that you guys talk, talked to didn't. And, you know, that if Carr felt things were off, you know, why was there kind of not not an ability to be able to, to shift things over in the course of the week and try to get them back on track? Yeah, I feel like it's, it's like with legal questions like that, especially when everybody gets asked the same thing. It's like the guy is going to tend to lean into whatever you're saying, probably, you know, like Carr does that from times where you where you ask him a question. It's kind of a setup question and he'll find a way to kind of agree with you a little bit. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think it was like, it was one of those things in retrospect. It was like, oh, we got blown out. So practice was bad this week. It's kind of how it comes across a little bit. I thought Abram kind of agreed with him as far as they're flat today. I don't think he agreed with the, the practice being that bad, but he thought he said they were flat today. I thought he agreed with that. So I think when you lose by this many points to a bad team, I think you wanted to think you were flat. Otherwise, you got your ass kicked. <laughs> you don't want to say, like, yeah, we were really fired up and we gave our best shot and lost by 37. So I think it's a natural defense for some guys. But obviously, um, I don't think they were flat because, like I said, the defense I thought was pretty inspired early on. So I think if the offense was flat and the defense wasn't, I don't know. But I just thought the offense, the, the, the opening script was bad by Gruden. Usually it's pretty good. I thought it was bad. And then they had a chance, many chances to come back in this game. And Carr kept, you know, dropping the ball. And I think, um, and also Jacobs also. But So I just think um, the turnovers, I think, were, to me, and the penalties were the reasons why they lost, not because they were flat. Early on, they, they felt like the Falcons were going to play a lot of off coverage and, and back off them and play a lot of zone because they had a bunch of underneath screen type plays um, that just didn't work out. And I think the Falcons might, might have surprised them. I, I got to check the stats and see how much man coverage they played before, but they might have surprised them and played a lot of press coverage early just because it seemed like the game plan was to attack them underneath. And obviously that did not work out. Only if they didn't have energy at practice because they kicked out media this week. We didn't. We weren't there Thursday and Friday, so that's what happens. You know, you got your your cheerleaders on the side. We're not there no more, man. So also, uh, we got to blame the everybody complaining about the Henry Rugg targets. The, the first game they start targeting rugs is their worst game of the season. So it's your guys' fault. All right. Well, you know, a lot of times after these games, we're trying to get fans to to relax and calm down. But like this one, we can't tell them that, you know, it was bad. And so I gave some fans some opportunities to air their grievances. We're calling this little Festivus portion of uh, of today's postgame pod. So uh, I want to get some uh, some of our listeners uh, engaged in this show, which they otherwise might want to completely tune out to. So uh, we got some grievances that uh, that some guys want to air. Uh, Eric Galvin. This is on the coaching. The play calling has been horrendous on both sides of the ball. All phases are playing undisciplined, leading to stupid penalties. The O-line has been awful. 
Add all the turnovers, and this was a disaster from top to bottom. The team just wasn't ready. Any uh, disagreement there? I agree that, like I mentioned before, I thought the opening script was bad. I didn't like their play calling at all the first quarter and a half. But, yeah, I think the defense, I thought they played pretty well in the first, most of the first half. So I think they had some good calls, and I think they had a chance to get back in this game, if not for the turnover. So I don't know. I don't really uh, – I think, the obviously, it was a factor, but I wouldn't say the coaching blew the game for him. All right, Kyle Herman, if the Raiders were pissed after last week's loss, what are they going to be after this week? Infuriated. <laughs> Infuriated. Surprised. Is that the word of the day? I think I can be happy. They'll, they'll see how bad the Jets are in film. Like, ah, oh, shit, it was good. It was a party. <laughs> it's a nice week. <laughs> Politics Raider. Were the players and coaches just filling up on turkey and not ready to play? What the heck is this? It's pathetic. Blame Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, if turkey is the main thing you eat on Thanksgiving, that's a problem to begin with, you know? It's one of the weakest parts of the meal, man. <laughs> Controversial Thanksgiving take. Yeah. Scientifically proven. Maybe they did have too much turkey. There you go. Yeah, I don't know, man. They were in Atlanta. You know, that's that's a distracting city. So. <laughs> yeah, but they're all quarantined though. They can't get out. They're not doing anything. They're not going to the strip club. They're not getting the uh, Lou Williams special. We got some players sneaking out to Magic City. Is that a, is that a possibility? I don't think so. I doubt it. I doubt it. But who knows? Robert Crowder wants to know, who was the dude that Gruden and Carr owed money to in Atlanta? The owner of Magic City. Who'd they owe oh, money? It, they took, it took a dive, yeah, that's what you're yeah, saying? They're yeah, paying off a bet? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Alex C., why was the game plan to go horizontal on a fast defense baffling? Wants to know why they were trying to go uh, not, not not be vertical with their offense against a fast Atlanta defense. They had a couple shots deep. That one, one of the rugs hit him in the hands. I thought it was a good pass. I think early on, they they definitely were going horizontal too much. I think, I haven't watched the Falcons since the beginning of the season, but under, um, who was that coach that was fired? Their head coach that was fired? Dan Quinn. Under Dan Quinn, you know, they ran that cover three, Seattle cover three, where they back off and you have to take a bunch of underneath throws. So I don't know if Raheem Morris went too far away from it or if they kept the same defense, but if they did have that same defense before this game, the game plan does make sense to take underneath throws, but I do think the Falcons probably surprised them with how much man-to-man they, they played. All right, Jeffrey Hahn was a grievance. Good comparison. He says it's like playing Madden when you know you're the better team, so you play recklessly and get creative, and then you realize you're losing and it's too late. It was for a while. I know I felt like in that first half that, all right, they're kind of sleepwalking, but you kind of kept waiting for them to like turn it on, turn it on, turn it on, and... Like it seemed like you kept kind of thinking, okay, if they can get one play, they can, they can make it make something happen. But that, that one play never happened. I think that uh, going forward on the first possession where they did, given their history, I don't I don't know if they do that against the Chiefs, you know, or, or a team that they perceive to be better than the Falcons. Like that was a little bit of a confident play, but I don't think it's a bad thing to play confident. It makes you look silly when it doesn't work out, but it kind of comes with it. All right, Jim Teal, uh, I'll play. You are a smash-mouth running team. Their best two offensive players are out, so you play run-and-shoot because you don't want to give them extra possessions. On fourth down and short, you don't run behind your all-pro caliber guard. You run a pitch. That is Jim's grievances. Got a lot of grievances. Yeah, the pitch was a bad call. I totally agree. And the pitch, then uh, I grew and said we asked them why their offense was so bad. I mean, they had their fourth and one stop, and then get the ball back, and, and Carr fumbles it, so... That's as bad as it gets, but they're only down 6-0 at that point. That's what I keep saying. So I think they have plenty of chances to get back in the game. So 
I'm going to go with the here's – a, here's a positive take. I think the defense has made strides in the last month or so, and all we asked of them early on was just don't be don't be terrible. Just be like you make some plays here and there. Don't be terrible and you have a chance to be a, a playoff team. I think that's definitely true. So if we think this is a, you know, a rare setback for the offense, you're back to normal next week, then they should be back on track. Yeah, this isn't like the end of the world that they lost this game. I mean, they're in what, eighth place in AFC. and I mean, that could change. The Ravens, well, I don't know when they're going to play again, but they're supposed to play Tuesday. And if they win, I think they'll drop down a knife. But it's like a one-game difference. So if they handle their business in the big games remaining, which is the Colts and the Dolphins, then, then they'll still have a chance here. So I think it's easy to jump ship over this game, but uh, the season isn't over yet. Plus you got uh, Peterman some snaps. That's good. See? So he's ready to go. <laughs> Too far, too far of it. I went too far. I apologize. I went too far. We were talking about earlier. I mean, if you look at their schedule, they have, you know, three teams with losing records left on their schedule. The uh, They've got the Jets. They've got the uh, the Broncos who had to play without a quarterback on Sunday. And they've got the Chargers. And then they've got the two teams in, in the playoff hunt, the Dolphins, and who are without Tua right now. And, and they've got uh, the Colts. I mean, if they beat the three teams with losing records and can split against the two teams with winning records gets them to 10 and six. And, you know, that's talking about four going four and one down the stretch. And, you know, this is a team that just got their butts kicked by the Falcons. So you can't assume anything, but if they can, the path to the playoffs, 10 and six in a 17 playoff field, it's going to be at least a 17 playoff field, unless there's, you know, a week added because of all this, all these COVID things, you know, they could end up being an 18 playoff field if they have to do anything crazy. Um, I mean, 10 and 6 should get you in. They're relatively healthy, too. So that's a good sign. And, you know, this hopefully the offensive line doesn't play like this again. And, and like Vic said, I, I thought the defense did their job in, in the first half. I mean, the offense put them in bad position. And they're mostly in control of their own destiny from, from this point on. So, I mean, it, it's going to be up to them to get this back on the right track. And they're going to be playing the Colts uh, in a couple of weeks. All right. Well, this was a rough Sunday for you Raider fans, and uh, but hopefully you guys at least had a chance to enjoy a solid Thanksgiving on Thursday. And we will get you ready in the middle of this week for the Raiders heading back to New York to take on the 0-11 Jets. Hopefully that'll help you sleep a little bit better knowing that the Jets are next up on the schedule. So we will talk to you again later this week. Later. Adios.